0: Hey, welcome back. So today I want to dedicate this, this episode of the podcast to precious metals. And that's not something I've done in a long time. I'm talking months. Even though this is a precious metals channel, you guys know that for several months now I've been on this coronavirus kick. Which isn't over, right? If, if anything, it's still relatively early in the game in terms of, of how long this could last. But I want to move away from that subject matter today because precious metals is something that I've sort of neglected in the meantime. And it's not at all because I've been disillusioned by it or because I'm not into it or anything like that, right? I think precious metals are as important as ever right now. And, and this negative price action, especially in silver in the last you know month plus, hasn't, again, disillusioned me whatsoever. In fact, you know, once upon a time, there was a viewer over on the YouTube side of things, Still is. I'm sure he's listening right now that had emailed me a while back making it, you know, like many people have a call that, hey, the price of silver is going to go much, much lower before it goes higher. And I was, you know, a couple months ago, if you asked me in early January, is silver going to drop below, you know, $12 an ounce before it goes higher? My answer had been, I mean, maybe, but probably not. My, you know, my base case was, no, that's not going to happen. And, and of course, in retrospect now, I was wrong, right? The same guy also made the call for Tesla going much, much higher. And actually, Tesla, Tesla the company, is still uh, at a pretty high price. So, hey, you were right, right? And you, you know who you are. You can feel free to leave a comment and, and gloat. Now, obviously, we, we have a um, good relationship and whatnot. But the point, though, that's really important with this all is that, yes, silver dropped below $12 an ounce. But nobody bought it at that price, you could buy paper contracts if you're trading COMEX, trading futures. You could buy SLV at that low price. Uh, but in terms of physical silver, no. I mean, yeah, there's gonna be that. You know, my 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 uncle's friend who lives across the country, he was able to buy some at spot from his dealer. Right? There's gonna be those stories out there. But the vast majority of people didn't get it at twelve or thirteen or fourteen or fifteen or sixteen dollars an ounce, even. Um, maybe closer to sixteen at some point. But a lot of it, no, it was uh many 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 dollars over spot really the price of physical silver for you and i has not changed a whole lot in the last couple of months if anything has gone up and it's become less and less available a lot of silver these days is going to be at the very lowest in the 17 18 dollar an ounce range i know there's exceptions maybe you can find it in the 16 dollar an ounce range right but but again, at that point, we're talking about what, like a, a two dollar premium. As I, you know, for the record, as I speak after this morning's uh, payroll data, uh, the price of silver actually has spiked a spike fair bit, um, sitting around fourteen dollars and forty one cents. Right, price of gold, by the way, uh, sixteen hundred and two and fifty five cents. So, but but okay, so you can buy it at. $2 over spot for generic. And and I by the way, I don't think very many, if, anybody, if any people can buy it at that price, a lot of it's going to be $3 over spot, $4 over spot. And if you're talking about anything non-generic, you're looking at a much, much higher price. In fact, uh, just as a bit of an aside for those of you that are still looking to, to buy and, and, and are just waiting, uh, Steve San Angelo, srsrockerreport.com, uh, posted an article yesterday, April Fool's Day, uh, talking about, and this, I don't think it was an April Fool's Day joke, talking about uh, U.S. Eagle sales, which, by the way, are over $5 million in March, and, and that was with constrained supply. We'll get more to that, obviously, what the title's referring to here in a second. Um, and, and he was talking about how uh, Cloud Hard Assets, a reputable company, is still selling silver, okay, and uh, his current price for eagles is six dollars and fifty cents over spot. And actually, right now that's a pretty good deal, as Steve points out, right? Um, you know, with with current prices, that would put it what around just shy of twenty one bucks a, a coin. And then he goes on actually also to to put down that that uh, uh, if you if you want you know junk silver six dollars over spot. Miscellaneous private, which I would assume is generic. One and ten ounce bars, three fifty-five over spot. Same thing goes for one ounce rounds. You know. So, and by the way, no make-beliefs available. He also mentioned that. So, I mean, basically, the whole idea of a two-dollar over spot or three-dollar over spot eagle or one-dollar over spot for generic—it's just not happening. Right. And that goes back to me being wrong about the price action silver, but also not completely wrong in the sense that you couldn't buy it unless you're buying, buying, you know, in the paper markets. Right. For the most part. Again, there's going to be examples that that exist. Um, But anyways. Price of gold in that time span has has stood up actually pretty well uh as again as i speak around 1600 and and as a whole it's it's been crazy volatile sure um but but it still hasn't experienced that major drop off in price again we're sitting around 1600 that's basically where gold was when this all started and and of course on the gold side of things um it, it has the same physical problems so you're not gonna be able to buy it close to 1600 for the most part Most of us will not be able to do that. Most of us are not going to be able to buy it, period, or it's going to be much, much higher in price. And then there's the gold-to-silver ratio, which, again, has just made historic moves in past weeks. I think the high was, you know, I could check real quick. I'm I'm looking on goldprice.org right now. Uh, The high was uh, north of 125, 125 125.89, right? Crazy. But again... How accurate it was that ratio when you take into account the true physical price of silver? That was probably, I'm going to again or guess, that was the 18th of March when silver was super low and, and, and gold hadn't experienced that same turmoil. As I speak, uh, the gold-to-silver ratio is north of 100, around 110, actually, 111, um, but again, not not. not as drastically high, and again, that ratio doesn't mean as much when, not on the physical side of things. It's so much choppier than that, and so much less liquid. And speaking on the physical side of things, you know, I already mentioned as, as Steve San Angelo had pointed out, uh, over five million eagles sold in March, and again, that was a supply-constrained month, not demand, supply-constrained month, because uh, the mint had run out eagles, and and had, a, and now the mint is. Uh, at least at what West Point is, is shutting down production for a while because of a positive COVID-19 test. And and probably just regardless, they're, they're going to be shutting down to some extent. I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Um, on, the, on the supply side of things, across the board, physical gold and silver has been extremely tight. Why, why is that the case? Well, again, coronavirus. It's not just demand. It's not just that demand is totally outpacing supply. It's that dealers are having trouble sourcing the metal because refineries aren't operating or mines aren't operating. I mean, South Africa, one of the major gold-producing countries in the world, they, they're they on, what, like a 21-day or one-month, I don't remember the details from country to country, shutdown. That includes gold mines. It probably includes, what's the other one, platinum, platinum or palladium that South Africa is a big miner of? I forget. Maybe both. Um, but, but yeah. Gold production shut down in that country for for a couple weeks. The title of this video: Mexico shutting down silver production for a month. Oh, they shut down silver production. Well, they're they're shutting down all, all non essentials, right? And and actually, as, as soon as I, you know, before I was, made this video, I was like, you know, I wonder, if, you know, I wonder when Mexico is going to institute that type of an order because, to my knowledge, they hadn't yet. Well, they did yesterday, and, or or March thirty first, one or the other. And, in fact, I found this article already from Kitco by Niels Christensen. Supply market faces supply crunch as Mexico curtails production, right, Uh, at least a month of shutdowns. They're shutting down all non-essential activity in Mexico for a month, and that includes, presumably, mines. And even if they could, as he points out, I mean, getting it transported is difficult because planes just aren't flying as much. Transportation is just non-active. I mean, it's it's there again. There's going to be exceptions, but but as a whole, it's just not happening. There's uh, supply chain disruptions are affecting silver and gold just as much as they're affecting many other uh, what you might consider more non-essential uh, items, non-essential uh, supply chains, industries, etc so what does this mean? I mean, ultimately, I mean, so if you look at the 2018, uh, 2019 World Silver Survey, which uh, covers, you know, silver supply for, for uh, 2018, right? We don't have 2019 numbers, at least from the World Silver Survey yet. That paper, I don't know when it's going to come out now because of all this. Mexico's the top silver producer in the world. In 2018, almost 200 and 200 million ounces, right? That's, About one-fifth of the world's supply, roughly speaking, when you add up scrap and mine supply, right? 196.6 million ounces. And you you cut cut off a month from that. I mean, that's, I mean, one-twelfth, so it's a little less than 20 million. Let's say, let's just round it and say, you know what? They're going to have a month of shutdowns plus some extra weeks maybe. Let's say one-tenth. From this shutdown, one-tenth of their supply is going to be cut off. That's nearly 20 million ounces, right? That's 19.66 million ounces, right? But but Mexico's not the only country dealing with this. Peru's on that list. I don't know. I, I should check what Peru's status of their shutdown is, if they have started something like that or not. But they're the second largest producer in the world, 144.9 million ounces. China, 114.9 million ounces they've been in uh, so sort of a halfway shutdown for a long time following their their initial massive countrywide shutdown russia 43.4 million ounces that's likely to be disrupted i wouldn't be surprised to see that i don't know it depends on what you know some of those more totalitarian countries are going to do in terms of state home orders non-essential businesses etc with russia and china um, but chile next down on the list 42.1 million bolivia uh 39.9 million again those two countries that if they haven't shut down i haven't checked yet but but it could potentially and that that's going to impact their supply coming onto the market poland same deal australia united states 28 million ounces argentina canada india and and you know as you get down the list they're less and less important for the physical market um, but but the point of this is hey mexico's shutting down mines they're shutting the largest silver producer in the world is shutting down mines for a month. And realistically, the supply coming onto the market out of Mexico in many of these countries is going to be disrupted far beyond just April. You know, it's going to take a while for these things to, to normalize. What does that mean for the silver market? Well, on the industrial side of things, demand is going to suck this year. That's understandable. Right, I mean, yeah, there's there's this you know wartime spending if you want to call it that, fighting a war against a, a virus, um, on on things that take so I mean how much silver's in a ventilator? Yeah, I don't know. Probably some. It's it's electronics based, right? There's a fair bit of moving, no, not not just moving parts, but electronics to it, right? Uh, same thing goes for a lot of other just general medical equipment. But as a whole, with an economy grinding to a halt, I mean, where does silver really get used? on the industrial side of things well you know i have the world silver survey opened up right now so i can i can tell you um the let's see here the largest component of industrial silver demand is going to be um electronics right so uh, electrical and electronics so what does that mean well that's going to be anything that has electronics in it right TVs, laptops, phones, cars, um, you know, buildings, uh, all those things are going to require silver. And of course, all those industries are pretty much ground to a halt. Not not entirely, but but people just aren't buying as many new phones. Maybe, you know, with this stimulus check, people are going to use it to, I don't know, buy a new iPhone or something. But as a whole, I mean, silver industrial, silver demand is going to be down. But hey, guess what? So is silver supply. Right, the same is going to be true in the gold market, though industrial demand for gold is, is far less important. Um, but on the physical side, for for silver, in terms of demand, uh, investment demand, coins and bars, that's going to be much much higher. Now, I get it. there's going to be people that are going to make the counter argument that hey, guess what, you know, there's a lot of people out of jobs, out of work. They're either going to sell their investment if they have one now in silver, or they're just not ever going to become a buyer. I get that argument, but you have to understand that what's going on right now on the financial side of things, is unprecedented. It is the craziest month on the monetary side of things that I, and I would say anybody, has ever witnessed what the Fed is doing right now, as well as the federal government. And of course, this is not limited to the United States. It's not exclusive to us. The ECB, the Bank of Japan, People's Bank of China, and many other central banks are all moving in the same direction um, this is unprecedented. This is a step towards a a massive race to the bottom in terms of of currency devaluation. And and right now, what people are focusing on, I mean, by the way, for my podcast listeners, for those of you that are listening to podcasts and don't really freak my YouTube channel, do me a favor and, and head over to my YouTube channel and just watch the video I posted on Monday. I haven't made it podcast since what Friday. It's been a while. But, but check out the one I made on Monday. It's, it's a comedy. It's, it, it's short, a couple minutes long. Well worth your time, I think, if, if you, if, if you want to look on the funny side of, of everything that's been happening. But, but check that out. And, and it really goes to demonstrate just the unprecedented nature of what the Fed and what the federal government is doing right now here in the United States, which is basically true for every country around the world. Not not every, but again, there's going to be exceptions. But every major central bank, every major country, is moving in the same direction. How big was the bailout plan that the federal government undertook? Uh, signed what last week? Two plus trillion dollars, right? Plus, you know, I've you know, some people are kind of estimating it closer to six trillion. Trump recently proposed a two trillion dollar infrastructure plan. To get the economy back uh, going going again after all this you know, slowdown um you know you couple that with with decreased revenues for the federal government because of of lower capital gains because of the market moves because fewer people working in this paying fewer taxes and we're looking at a deficit for 2020 for the u.s government and now technically the fiscal year starts september but let's say the calendar year we're looking at a deficit of gosh Six trillion, five trillion. I'm going to guess that it's going to be somewhere between that number, and it could go much higher, depending on what happens in terms of spending between now and and the end of the calendar year. But then you couple that with the Federal Reserve, which has not only been flooding the, you know, the short-term funding markets, money market funds, repo markets, um, swap lines, you know, every possible. Thing to try and keep this afloat. Yesterday, yesterday, I think they uh, changed the rules for banks in terms of, of their requirement to hold, uh, you know, certain, you know, liquid safe assets, including treasuries. changed that rule to make it easier for banks to to lend to people, right? Trying to keep the economy going. Um, but in addition to that, at all they've also uh, they did, I think, in two weeks, one point three trillion dollars worth of of. Balance sheet expansion, money printing. And that's just the beginning. I mean, you have to understand here that this is not going to be a V shaped recovery. This was a recession that was long overdue. This may be a recession in terms of like jobs numbers, in terms of, of economic output, in terms of, of standard of living, in terms of what people would consider normal, which I think we maybe some people would argue we only got close to that in the last few years following the Great Recession. This might be something that takes a decade, two decades, three. It might not, We might not get back to anything resembling normal for the vast majority of Americans and people around the world until the whole system comes down. And we could be a little ways away from that. We could be very close as well. <laughs> Regardless, none of those things are a case against precious metals right now. Right? The case for precious metals is as strong as ever. These past few weeks... I've personally seen what I expected to happen in the next recession, the next major downturn, next potential financial crisis. All these things that are happening now, I'm kind of expected to happen. Huge stimulus plan from the government, check. Huge amount of monetary easing from the Federal Reserve, check. An alphabet list of various um, supports from the markets that the Fed is doing or the federal government is doing, check. Massive amounts of debt accumulation, check, higher unemployment, check. All those things are happening, except I expected those things to happen over six, nine months, 12 months, 18 months, you know, drawn out, not compressed into like a single month. And that's kind of a product of the COVID-19. But the recession itself, or or the fact that we are long overdue for a recession, the fact that it's going to be such a deep recession, such a damaging recession for our financial system, for, for, I think, the consumer, small and large businesses, for the corporate debt sector, all those things, it, that's more so a product of the fact that, hey, we were in a massive bubble prior to COVID-19 arriving on the scene. And just because it's a virus, and, and, and that's more of an exogenous shock to the system, and the virus is going to go away or become a much, much less significant player in the whole scheme of things in you know two months or six months or whatever your date is, doesn't mean that we can avoid the long-term downturn that was sort of inevitable following the blow up of this massive bubble. That is still kind of baked into the cake, I think. This is going to be a very long, arduous recovery that, again, I don't think we have a hope of ever getting anywhere close to normal unless this whole system comes crashing down. How do you get back to normal? I mean, let's put this in perspective. Again, just looked at the federal government, which prior to COVID-19 had been running deficits in supposedly strong economic periods between one and one and a half trillion, one trillion and one and a half trillion dollars a year, right? Which was pretty darn high, right? Uh, once we get past this, you know, acute period of the slowdown and all this spending, um, I think two to two and a half trillion is probably going to be the norm, and that is that very well could be wrong, it could be much much higher. We may never get back to those kind of normal periods again. of uh, It's not going to be anywhere close to normal. I, I mean, periods where you're not going to have a major, major drop in employment and a major impetus to to spend trillions of dollars in stimulus packages, right? Um, but in the meantime, we're going to run up the deficit five to six trillion this year, if not higher, this calendar year. Uh, 2021 is probably going to be you know, close to that, with with probably a continued slowdown and more spending, um, and and then you know following years, even if we get closer to normal. I mean, how can you return to a normalcy with the federal government running a normal deficit between two and two and a half trillion a year? You can't. That has to be monetized. Be monetized by the Fed, and hey, guess what that means? Ultimately, it means inflation. Right? That's not normal that's not going to be normal and and you so you're going to have this this problem of higher and higher debt load and or higher and higher inflation and then the same is going to be true at the corporate sector at the consumer sector i mean ultimately what what's i think is going to happen is is this it's the federal government is is obviously a huge holder of debt right now uh, not a holder of debt but but a huge debtor you know other people hold their debt right. What's ultimately going to happen is, yes, we have a ton of debt at the corporate sector and the the consumer level. Some amount of that consumer and that corporate debt. I know I'm going off the tracks as far as staying on topic for precious metals, but this is important. I'm, I'm talking about why silver and gold are still such good buys and why it's so bullish, so incredibly bullish for them. Even if for the time being there's talks of disinflation or deflation or whatever because of this. Covid nineteen, um, ultimately, what I foresee happening is not all, but a lot of that debt, maybe not even half of it, but a good chunk of that debt at the corporate level and at the consumer level here in the United States and, and probably around the world, is going to be shifted more so to the federal side of things, or to the Federal Reserve side of things. What I mean by that is, you know, student loan forgiveness, for example. Uh, uh, that's a consumer debt a debt that is owed to the federal government for the most part as well as you know as well as private companies um, you know currently I the last check I think is 1.7 trillion you know approaching two trillion so let's say two trillion when this ultimately comes about you know I if consumer debt is ultimately forgiven and I don't think that has to happen with a Bernie or a Biden presidency I think Trump has proven that he's more than willing to what what uh, I forget his name from Robobank. He 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 coined the term MMT rump, right? Uh, that Trump is more than willing to do things that are very MMT like, um, for, for you know, populist reasons. Loan well, forgiveness, I think, is one of those things, right? Um how many college or former college students would, would he get the vote of for, for that reason? Especially, you know, if it if it's going to help the economy from his point of view. That's two trillion dollars. That's going to be shifted from the balance sheet of the consumer to the federal government. I mean, more accurately, I don't know how the federal government. I, I suppose they probably could treat it as an asset right now. Two trillion, not two trillion yet, but close to that, they're owed in debt. And, and they no longer will be owed anymore. And the consumer no longer owes that, right? A shifting from debt from corporate to the federal government or the Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve oftentimes is buying debt. And, and right now, I mean, it's, it's mostly mortgage backed securities, which is sort of a private debt, as well as um, bonds, treasury bonds, obviously a, a, a public, the a, a government debt. But they're also moving into the corporate bond market, right? And I think that's going to continue to expand. And again, shifting that debt from um, from the consumer to to consumer and the corporations to the Federal Reserve. Now, in that case, it's again they're not forgiving that debt yet, right? But but they are buying it from whoever's holding that debt, whoever's owed that money by those corporations. And I think increasingly that's going to be the what's going to happen is more and more debt as well as those that are owed by by these debtors, more and more of that is gonna be shifted to the Federal Reserve and to the Federal Government. But but regardless, it's still gonna be debt on the system, right? US dollar denominated debt or Euros or whatever country or or system we are talking about here. All this is incredibly bullish for precious metals because ultimately what it leads to is inflation. I mean I can't say it enough that this is this is the Most bullish few weeks for precious metals I've ever seen. I can't think of a period of time that has been more bullish for precious metals than this. I'd be happy to hear about it in the comment section. But long term, this is going to end in massive currency destruction. Yes, along the way, there could be what? The dollar milkshake, right? Along the way, there could be disinflation or deflation or whatever. I get all that. But long term, the federal government, the Federal Reserve, the ECB, uh, European governments, Japan and the Bank of Japan, China and the Bank, People's Bank of China, and many other countries and central banks are all embarking. Well, they embarked on this path many, many years ago, decade plus ago. But they're continuing. They're they're taking a a, a step forward closer to this to this cliff of of we can call it the monetary abyss, right? They're taking a step closer closer to that edge. Now, how closer to they to that edge? Um, well, many steps closer than they were a couple of weeks ago. I can say that much. I don't know where this edge is. Um, but but they're getting closer and closer to it. And, and I think we all have to, to financially, uh, yes, mentally prepare for that. I think mental preparation is extremely important, but also financially prepare. We, and I think precious metals are probably a part of that. Now, obviously, none of this is investment advice or anything like that. But this monetary abyss means paper... Assets are going to go to zero. There's no way around it. And paper assets are not just dollars. Paper assets are bonds that are denominated in those dollars as well and that are not collateralized. Are US Treasury bonds collateralized? No, of course not. Right? And so, you know, we have this weird situation here where right now the US 10 year bond is yielding, last I checked, in the ballpark of 0.6%. Not factoring in any of these things of either inflation or default risk. I would argue that at some point, those two things become the same thing. Why? Well, I mean, that's now technically speaking, they're not, right? But of course, it goes back to what Alan Greenspan always said, or had said in the past, um, that the U.S. government can guarantee any dollar payment for any amount of time. But what they can't guarantee is the purchasing power of that dollar, right? So the U.S. government may never formally, I don't think they will, formally default on their debt. But is it, I mean, technically speaking, they're still kind of defaulting if the value of that debt and the dollar that paying in goes to zero, right? That's still a default, right? Am I calling for hyperinflation? Um, maybe, I don't know. I, I don't know anymore, right? I kind of went through this period where early on I'm like, yeah, this is gonna be hyperinflation. I'm talking, you know, a couple of years ago. And then over time I'm like, well, high inflation. But now I'm kinda like, could be both. Could be either. But either way it's gonna be extremely damaging to the economy, to the consumer, and and a huge boon for precious metals. So I hope you enjoyed today's precious metals focused topic. Tomorrow, I'm sure maybe I'll come back to it a bit, but certainly talking more about the economy as well as this COVID-19 mess that we're in. But if you can get your hands on silver and gold, you know, good on you. It's out there. I think most of the major dealers have it. It's just, you know, are you willing to pay that premium? We'll see what things are like in a month, two months from now in terms of supply, um, in terms of price. But, But I think, you know, silver and gold are both... Really, really well positioned for for a massive move to the upside in the coming months, um, as people realize that hey, uh, two trillion dollar plus stimulus package, um, you know, hundreds of billions, trillions of dollars of QE and money printing, and a massive economic shock. Guess what? Those things are pretty uh, pretty bullish for you know the the hedge of all hedges being silver and gold. So as always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to today's podcast and God bless.